The Alexandria Times is your source for news, features, and investigative reporting in the port city. Keep up with the Times coverage on our website, www.alextimes.com, or on our social media channels, at Alex Times News on Twitter, at Alexandria Times on Facebook, and at Alexandria Times on Instagram. Hello, my name is Cody Millicline. I'm the editor for the Alexandria Times, and welcome to Speakeasy. Uh, today, I'm joined by Bill Blackburn, partner with Homegrown Restaurant Group, uh, the minds behind probably some of your favorite restaurants here in Alexandria, like Pork Barrel Barbecue, The Holy Cow, Sweet Fire Donna's, and many others. They have a little empire going on here in the city. Um, how's it going, Bill? Welcome to the show. Uh, it's going great. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Now, uh, I know you obviously have a quite a big presence in the city, and you've been here for, for quite a while as well. Now, what brought you to Delray and sort of that area originally? Because that's sort of where you're known. That's kind of your home, literally and figuratively. Yeah, uh, I, uh, my, my wife and kids and I, we live here in Delray. Uh, but my, my first decade here in Alexandria was on the West End. I, I lived in Cameron Station and off of Reynolds Street when I first moved to Alexandria, mm. uh, when I was working at Mango Mike's. Um, so I was there for a long time. <clears throat> and when we opened up the Delray restaurants, I, I moved here to this neighborhood shortly after. I guess, when did you know that you wanted to get into the restaurant business and what sort of was that entry point for you? So I, I don't know. I, I, I graduated from college in 2000, which was the height of the dot-com boom. And, uh, uh, and, and worked in kind of a more traditional job. The bottom fell out of uh, the dot-com bubble right around the same time. I kind of discovered that working in an office probably wasn't for me. Uh, so I went back to working in the restaurants. And like I said earlier, I was living in the West End and uh, I just walked to the first restaurant I found and it was Mega Mike's and I got a job there. And I decided I was just going to do this for a year before I went back and got a real job. And uh, here we are uh, 20 years later and I, I still haven't gotten a real job yet. <laughs> What kept you, what sort of ke- has kept you involved in the business and in the industry? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I definitely enjoy it. Uh, I, I enjoy the challenges of it. Uh, I, I get inspired and I, I feed off the energy of, of customers and, and, and coworkers and people working in the business. The restaurant business, it's tough. It's real tough. And if you don't genuinely like it, it will eat you alive. You have to like it because it's, it's so labor intensive. There's so many hours that if you didn't enjoy it, it a little bit you, you couldn't make it so i guess that's what's 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 kept me around is that i genuinely enjoy going to work most days sure now now i know you said you, you started as a bartender at mango mike's and you got quite a bit of experience doing that well, i guess what was what was the experience of being a bartender like and what makes a good bartender because now you actually end up hiring them for your restaurants too. Yeah. Mango Mike's was a, a terrific place to bartend at. And, and I did it there for eight or nine years. I learned a lot about people, a lot about sales, a lot about uh, human behavior and, and doing that. And I think everybody should have a job, either being a server or a bartender for at least a year or two in their life. It makes you a much better person. Um, but Mango Mike's was great because it was a, it was a happy hour place. It was a family restaurant, but then it also had a wild side in the evenings. And after 10 mm-hmm. o'clock, there was DJs in there and, and the place was open till 2 a.m. seven nights a week. So uh, it, there was always something going on. It was always exciting, always, always a party. And uh, I, I got to be there behind the bar and had a lot of fun. 
So how did you transition into more of the sort of ownership ownership and management side of business? Well, long story short, uh, I was bartending there for a while and, and I started picking up some shifts here and there when managers needed days off doing that to help out the uh, help out the restaurant. And, and Mike pulled me aside one day and said, hey, uh, well, that, really, he fired me. He said, you're fired. You're, <laughs> no, you're no longer a bartender, um, but I have another job for you if you'd like, and you can be the, the general manager of this restaurant. And, and so... Uh, I didn't think about it for too long. I, I agreed to do it uh, for two years uh, before we did, started doing other, other restaurants. But I, I'm glad he did that. It, it, at the time, it seemed kind of crazy, but because it was a huge pay cut, making bartending is, is where the money's at in the restaurant business, hmm. and uh, especially at that time. Uh, and uh, so going, taking a step up and uh, to management was taking a step down salary-wise. So, um, but you can't be a bartender forever. Uh, it's a young man's game, sure. And uh, uh, you got to you got to grow up at some point. Yeah. So he he did me a huge favor by firing me. I tell people he loves to tell that story too. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he does. I, I yeah. think fi- getting fired and getting promoted you should have him on the, the show. Day. By the way, I don't I'm not sure why you're messing around with me. Michael Mike's got <laughs> much better stories than I do. He's been doing this for for five decades in Alexandria. Hey, maybe he'll be um, the next one. Um, yeah, yeah. You should get him, you should circle back with him. Yeah. So I I guess. The the first the first restaurant you're referring to is Pork Bale Barbecue, correct? Yes. So the first restaurant that Mike and I did together, uh, that the first restaurant that I was part of opening, um, was was Pork Bale Barbecue, and then from there we opened. If you count all the pop ups we've done, uh, uh, we've probably done ten since then. So talk to I guess talk to me a little bit about the the origins of Pork Barrel because it's it's location sort of like right in the center of of Delray, right on Mount Vernon Avenue is like ideal at this point, but I, I, I gather that at the time it was sort of a weird proposition to go into Delray. A little bit. Delray was, was really starting to turn when we, when, when the building that we're in now was being developed. Okay. And, um, I was working at Mango Mike's and we were doing, we were doing a lot of barbecue catering. We had some smokers in the parking lot and we were doing catering on the cherry blossom and, and different events. And we, we decided that we wanted to open up a barbecue place. Uh, and we were looking uh, for a location to do that and, and we were looking all over and we were actually looking out west and maybe even going to Ashburn or, or Loudoun County uh, and kind of trying to find where the hot new spots were and Mango Mike's wife Donna who is now Sweetfire Donna mm. uh, back then she was just known as Mango Donna uh, said you guys are you guys are crazy you want hot go to Del Rey and both of us had heard of Del Rey but I only knew Del Rey is kind of a you know, kind of a little rougher neighborhood that had uh, um, Owl Steak and Cheese. That's all. I, that's mm-hmm. all I knew about Del Rey. Owl Steak and Cheese, and then of course uh, um, St. Elmo's was there, and uh, <clears throat> Takir Poblano. Uh, but I didn't really think of it as a destination or a, a hot new spot. It was just kind of this this area of Alexandria. Uh, and so Mike and I thought, huh, well, maybe we should go down and look at that. So m- we went down there and we walked up and down the street one day, and, and uh, you know, it, we decided, yeah, this is this is be a great place to be. So the original idea for Pork Barrel was a, a much, much smaller concept that was just a counter with maybe a table or two to do to-go barbecue. Uh, and we were looking for a place to do that in Delray. And we looked at a couple different sites, including that little yellow house that's next door to 7-Eleven. Hmm. It's now a cigar shop. Uh, I met the guy who owned that, who was a real character. We talked to him for a couple <laughs> hours and uh, talked to, to Scott Mitchell, who owned a lot of property in Delray at, at, at that point. And uh, he kind of gave us a lay of the land. And we decided, yeah, we need to find a spot. And then a few weeks later, uh, Mike stumbled upon um, this new development that was going in, which is where we are now uh, at 2312 Mount Vernon Avenue. And uh, we signed a letter of intent to take a spot there. And, um, and then we ended up taking the whole first floor. 
because some people backed out and the situation changed and we decided to do three restaurants. So our, our, our first kind of partnership was supposed to be this tiny little takeout barbecue place. And it ended up being this, you know, small empire of three restaurants. So as a young 20 something, I was really got to drink from the fire hose in terms of, of, of opening up uh, restaurants and uh, land use and, uh, you know, community feedback. It was, uh, yeah. it was like an MBA and, and, <laughs> and, and how to work with the community as a, as a, as a young guy. And we were, we were, like I said, I was bartending out in Man- out in the West End and, and out there on the West End of Alexandria, you know, we, we could do whatever we wanted. And so it was, it was, it was strange to me that people would be concerned about the hours or the parking or the, uh, the, the smoker. And it was, um, I, I was caught off guard with how much community involvement and community concern there was a decade ago when we, we first opened. Yeah. You kind of got a, like a crash course in Alexandria community engagement I, and politics. <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely did. It was, it was, uh, like I said, drinking from the fire hose, but we made it through and, and most that's water under the bridge. And, and we're, I, I think we have a good reputation in Delray and in Alexandria sure. now. And I think we're, we're responsible business owners and we're engaged and we give back. So I, I think it's all worked out well. When you started, as you said, drinking from the fire hose, was it like confidence that you guys knew you could make it work or was it just like naivete or was it a mix of both? Well, confidence on Mike's part, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He was, you know, certainly a veteran of, of the restaurant business uh, when we started this. Uh, but I, I, I was, I was young. All I had was just uh, an unlimited amount of time and energy uh, to throw mm-hmm. at it. And uh, it, it was, it was going to work in my mind. Uh, and if it didn't work, I would, I would just work harder. Uh and uh, we we made it happen, but it was it was it was a tough year building the places and 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 doing like I said all the SUP work and sure. it was looking back it was it was a it was a big project. Yeah, seems like it worked out for you though. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, I, what do you feel like Delray has given you, sort of both as a restaurant owner, but also as a resident, because you do live not too far away from from the restaurants that you own there. That's right. I live uh, I live like two blocks away from from the front of Pork Barrel. Uh, it's great. Delray's given me a, a lot. Uh, when we first opened Pork Barrel, I, I met my wife. Uh, mm. Well, she wasn't my wife when I met her. She was my future wife sure. when I met her. Uh, but we uh, uh, soon got married and we have kids and we all live in Delray. And um, it's, it's really special to be able to live and work in the same, in the same neighborhood. Um, the, not having a commute and, and being able to see neighbors at work and is really special. It's a double-edged sword because sometimes, you know, somebody doesn't like you, you still have to live next to them. Um, But uh, that's typically not the case. Uh, It's, it's great to be part of, of the community. And then when, when the businesses give back to the community, that's, that's also the community that I live in. So having that relationship, both as a resident and a business owner is really special. And, And I'm not unique in that because there's a lot of business owners in Delray that are also residents. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nora Partlow for, you know, at Samuels for a long time. The Ponzi's who now have two or three places in, in, in Delray and Alexandria also live just, just up the hill. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jill Erber from Cheese Tea. I'm sure there's some other that I'm kind of missing. Pat Miller, who, uh, who has a farmer's market in Arden the Avenue and had um, a show of hands for, for years and years and years. Uh, she and Maria both live in Delray. So there, there's a lot of, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing some people, but there's a lot of business owners that also live here. So that's become kind of a, that, that's a, a phenomenon that is, is probably pretty unique to our, our neighborhood. 
now I know you obviously you you were a bartender and obviously you manage and sort of operate restaurants and but I was hoping to get a little bit of a glimpse into the kitchen itself because it's a it sounds like it's a fairly unique sort of working environment compared to others. Yeah, re- restaurants and restaurant employees we're we're a different breed. I I don't have a culinary background. I never went to culinary school and and I've worked shifts in the kitchen and I've worked shifts on the line. But I, I wouldn't say that I'm a a, a kitchen person. I, I don't sure. I don't have that cred. I don't have that muscle memory to work a grill. Uh, I can't pick up scalding hot pans with my fingers who are that are calloused. Hmm. Uh, I, I I can't claim that. Um, but I do have a, a very intimate understanding of how a commercial kitchen works and how that dance goes. Uh, I have a lot of respect for those guys, uh, uh, and I I know how it works, and it's 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 pretty crazy. But, but, but like you said, it's, it's different. It's more hectic than a typical nine to five job. And it's like war. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> when you got tickets to the floor, the guy next to you is your best friend. Um, yeah. But I, I am, I've always been more of a, of the bar front of the house guy. Yeah. What kind of, do you, do you get like characters that sort of, sort of swing through as staff? What kind of people tend to work bars, restaurants? That's, that's absolutely the case. And that's, that's another reason why I've, I've, I really enjoy the restaurant business is I, is a cast of characters through the years. And, and Mike and I, we've, we've probably had two or 3000 different employees over the years. And, and the people who are drawn to the restaurant business, especially the full-time restaurant people, the people who make a career out of it. There are some real characters. I mean, there's sure. some, there's some folks that just really make me laugh. I enjoy working with, and it's, it's all walks of life. Um, the late Anthony Rodane, who's a, uh, who, who I always loved and a tremendous amount of respect for because he's a he's a real person. He's not a celebrity chef who just uh, speaks well and looks good on camera. This guy came from uh, turn and burns and and worked the lines in, in New York City. So he's got a real in depth, real perspective on restaurants. And and he once said in his in his book that uh, uh, running a kitchen is like being the captain of a pirate ship. Uh, it's a modern day pirate ship. Back in colonial times people who were kind of misfits of society or didn't get along well with others, or maybe had substance abuse problems, they were drawn to, to being pirates and, and working on these ships. Now we don't have pirates anymore. We have kitchens. So that same type of personality is drawn to working uh, the grill station or the saute station at a restaurant. So you get folks that, that, that are a little rougher on the edges, that have some personality, that, that, sure. uh, that are restaurant people. And, and those are my people. I'm one of them. I love them. Yeah. Now, has that changed at all over the time that you've been working as like the kind of people that swing through change or is it pretty I, much just the same kind of misfits? I, I don't think so. And, and maybe misfits is a bad word. I, I think yeah. characters is a better word. Okay. It, it just, the names change the names and the faces. They're all the same. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in fact, you know, when I see somebody, I'm like, this guy reminds me exactly of, of, of Jose who used to work for us at, uh, at, uh, at sweet fires or this is, you know, this person's just like this. They're, 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 they're fun. They're fun. Yeah. I love it. The restaurant business, like I said, it's a young man's game. So you, to keep up with these folks, you got you to be in shape. You got to be able to run. You got to be on your feet for 10, 12 hours a day. And if you can't do that, then you, you, you're, this, this, this business will pass you by. Yeah, which sure. Is another reason I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mango Mike because Mango Mike's in his 70s, and that guy can work on his feet 12 hours a day. No yeah. problem, seven days a week, which most 70-year-old guys can yeah. Cody, if you and I can work as hard as Mango Mike does when we're 70, we've, <laughs> we've done a great job. Totally. I'm sure, I'm sure working in the restaurant industry as long as he has, has 
probably extend extended his lifespan a few years probably yeah yeah um now what i guess looking back at sort of the restaurant industry more broadly has anything changed what i guess what have been the most notable shifts in the industry over the time that you've been involved in it certainly the last two years has been a a pretty big change yeah as, as we closed the restaurants for a significant period of time and just did to-go food, uh, that was a big change. Uh, but now that we are, are kind of past that and, and we are now in what people are calling the new normal, I, I think, uh, I, I think the new normal is the direction things were headed anyway. I think mm. COVID and the pandemic and the shutdowns just accelerated a lot of things that were going to happen. Uh, for example, uh, online ordering uh, and the QR codes uh, I think those things, we were headed that direction anyway. We always had online ordering, but it wasn't as ad- adopted as, as widely as it is now. And I think COVID made that happen quicker than it would have normally. How I guess, how much of that stuff do you think will be permanent versus sort of just for this period of time? Do you think most of it will be permanent? Yeah, a lot of it's going to be permanent. It, 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 hopefully, it'll never go back to the point where we're just doing all takeout. Sure. But for example, at Pork Barrel Barbecue, we do a lot of takeout and we did a lot of takeout before COVID, but the majority of it now is orders that come in online that a customer places mm-hmm. uh, versus calling up and uh, placing the order, which is great for us because that's an employee that doesn't have to answer the phone and, and, and type something to a computer. These systems now work integrated with our, our point of sale and our on our printers. So if somebody orders a pulled pork sandwich and mac and cheese, a ticket just pops up right there in the line for the staff to make. So nobody has to input that data or take a payment, Mm -hmm. Um, which is great, makes things easier, but it also takes away some of the personal connection and the touches we have with customers. Because now nobody's talking to this customer. Nobody's telling this customer, thank you. Nobody's accepting the payment. We're just handing them a bag of food through a window, which takes some of the personal touch out of it which is something that I think our, our restaurant group has always excelled at is, is having soul and having um, uh, uh, a friendly, real service. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. Uh, do you, th- I guess, outside of this sort of online ordering stuff, how have you seen sort of customer behavior change over the last two years, especially as people sort of started to transition back actually to eating in person? Did they seem to be happier to actually be out in person? Did they seem more hesitant when they were up out in public with you guys? Well, you know, this two-year period, we, we saw a lot of false starts and starts yeah. and stops and, and you know, waves coming back. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't as, as smooth of a transition as, as we were hoping for when we shut everything down for two weeks to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it came back and, and, it's also interesting to see kind of the, the, the dynamics in the different neighborhoods. Delray, for example, was probably one of the more COVID cautious neighborhoods in Alexandria, uh, really the last to come back uh, for, for inside dining. And, 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 you know, if you compare that to Old Town, uh, they were, you know, they were really ready to come back last, last summer mm-hmm. and, and really did. Uh, whereas in Delray, we didn't even reopen the restaurants until the inside of the restaurants, uh, for a couple months after we were allowed to, just because we felt like the demand wasn't there with our, our core customers. They just weren't, weren't ready for it yet. Um, so it's, it's been different and, and, and our customer base, it, it was a full spectrum. We had customers who, who can't believe we were closed at all. 
Yeah. You know? And then, yeah. and we have customers who still don't go inside restaurants, mm-hmm. which is fine. So there's a big spectrum of, of, of still to this day of how people are dealing with COVID and, and what their comfort level is. And we have to be mindful of that and respectful of that, of that, of people's wishes uh, for what they want and, and try to figure out what's best for business and what's best for our employees and what's best for our customers, what which, has that, been, which has been a huge challenge. I'm sure. Yeah. What if at this point, what are things like in terms of business? Are you guys at all close to what you were in terms of pre pandemic numbers? Uh, yeah. In, in terms of food. Yes. Uh, okay. um, uh, in Delray, at least uh, sure. we're, we're a little, still a little short on the bar numbers. There's not as many people in the bar and we're not seeing as much late night activity uh, mm. as we did before the pandemic. Uh, I, and I think there's a few variables there and I'm not sure exactly uh, uh, what that is, but we're, we're not open as late as we were before. We still need to get that late night segment going, but that takes a while to build and, sure. you know, being closed and shut down for two years, we're kind of starting over again with our, with our bar scene. And all, all the bars are doing that, yeah. not just ours. I was hoping you could, searching tax a little bit, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about um, sort of this quote-unquote uh, rivalry you have with uh, Chadwick's owner, uh, Trey LeMond. I, I guess I've heard about this, and I know it's manifested in various ways over the years. Can, how, I guess, how did that start? How did that develop in the first place? <laughs> well, 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 first, first I'll say this. Trey is actually a really good friend of mine. I'm sure, yeah, uh, yeah. We've 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 kind of fostered this this fake feud for the internet's, uh, <laughs> um, just just to have fun. It's kind of a pro wrestling type feud. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's a great guy, and uh, I, I think it started when we did the first um, Old Town Del Rey softball battle, and before the game, we were really hamming it up on social media. Uh, like it was this big grudge match. Uh, we took some photos, you know, of us, like we were boxers yeah. getting ready to, to, to face off and, and people liked it. The people of Delray liked it and, and Trey's customers and, and the old town folks like the kind of this uh, two, two small business owners being the face of old town versus Delray. And so we've had a lot of fun with that since we've done three or four softball games since then. And uh, I think we did the, uh, an oyster eating contest and, uh, I think we're going to try to do a bowling one soon, but Trey and I've had a lot of fun with that. And we, we've raised a lot of money for charity with yeah. our, with our, with our fake feuds as well. Uh, so he's a really great sport. I got a tremendous amount of respect for him. And uh, he's, he's worked his way up from a bartender to owning Chadwick's, which is a, a, a staple uh, of, of old town in Alexandria. It's been there for decades yeah. and uh, he owns it now. And, and he's done a great job making that the, really the Alexandria's restaurant. Yeah. Is that, is that sort of a like fake friendly feuding? Is that emblematic of the relationship between a lot of old town and Delray restaurants? How do you guys sort of relate to each other? Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think all the, all the business owners get along just great. I think there is some animosity between Delray residents and, and old town residents sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the business owners don't have any, any major beefs. All the restaurants get along well in Alexandria. And that's another aspect of the restaurant business that I love is that, you know, even though we are technically competitors, we don't see somebody as a threat to us. Trey's not a threat to me. He's he's my buddy. You know, we're on this together. Yeah. A rising rising tide raises all ships. We end the podcast the same way every episode uh, by posing a question from the last guest to the current guest. 
Now, the last okay. guest does not know who the current guest is. So that the last guest was uh, Marion Brunken of Volunteer Alexandria. She posed the question. Oh, yeah. I know, Marion. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you might. Uh, yeah. She posed the question, how would you change your community if money was not an issue? I'm sure you have some ideas. Change my community. Well, this, what comes to mind immediately is I'm, I'm very jealous of the, of the 100 block of King Street and their ability to, uh, to close that and make it pedestrian only. And one of the reasons that they're able to do that is that Old Town is, is more than just one street. It's mm-hmm. a grid of, of a commercial district, and it has back alleys uh, behind the businesses that, that, that can serve them. And we don't have that in Delray. We don't have, we just have one main strip. And if you go uh, half a block off that main strip, you're now in a residential area. So if, if we closed or the city closed Mount Vernon Avenue to, to, ve- to vehicle traffic and made it a pedestrian only block or two, that would put all that traffic into the residential streets, which would not work. We'd also have no way to access the restaurants for trash and deliveries and loading. Mm-hmm. So if money was no object, I would figure out how a way to 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 make an alley behind every street and figure out a way to make the traffic better. Obviously, that's a, would be a huge cost, though. Sure. Really work. But but you said money's no object. No. So if money was no object, I'd figure out a way to make Mount Vernon Avenue or part of Mount Vernon Avenue pedestrian only because I think that is just going to be extremely beneficial for for Old Town and having having that real pedestrian plaza down there like the like the mall in Charlottesville is going to make is going to make Alexander even better. Yeah, it's really taken off since I'm because I know they've been toying around with that idea, that idea for so long here in the city. It really took off and was perfectly timed really when when they actually did end up implementing it. So, we'll we'll see how that goes with with Old Town, but my guess is that it's going to be loved by by visitors, by by tourists and 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 by Alexandrians. Totally. Now, what what is a question you have for our next guest? It can be as Serious, silly, specific, general as you want it to be. How how about how about this for a quick? Because it's going to be somebody who's a notable Alexander and who lives here and cares about the community. Uh, what is the biggest challenge that Alexandria faces over the next decade? Mm. I like that. I know everybody has sort of their own sort of answer to that question too, whether it's specific to their community or specific to their neighborhood. So that's a yeah. great one. Yeah, Bill, it we've come to the end of our conversation here. I appreciate you sitting down to talk with me and uh, giving everybody sort of the lowdown on Alexandria restaurant tourism. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. I, I, I was, I was honored to be asked to be on the show. Um, I'm a big fan of the times and a big fan of you, Cody. Uh, and I would be amiss if I did not plug all six of our restaurants, Please. pork barrel, barbecue, Holy cow, sweet fire, Donna's whiskey, and oyster, tequila, taco, and currently the pop-up bar. That is the Tiki bar in Delray. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Cody. Of course. Thank you. And take it easy, Alexandria. 